Glad to have back with us finance reporter from The Hill, Kevin Cirelli. Hi, Kevin. How you doing? Good afternoon. Happy Monday. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good, thank you. Well, we have seen our country held hostage by fairy tales about Dr. Seuss, uh, threats of government shutdown and even government shutdowns in uh, in the past. And now uh, financing Planned Parenthood seems to be the uh, threat that is hanging, especially by Republican lawmakers who have the majority in the House uh, and the Senate, obviously, the majority in Congress, uh, threatening to shut our government down over the financing of uh, Planned Parenthood. First of all, Kevin, so that people have um, an idea of actual numbers, and you're always good at giving us numbers without me making you know, making me feel like I'm in you know some kind of a math lecture. But uh, Kevin, how much of the budget, as an example, is the funding of a clinic such as Planned Parenthood, and is the uh, uh, f- well, first of all, just give, give that n- number a roundabout percentage. What per, I'm sorry, I'm not understanding your question. What percentage? Well, my question now? is, when you look at the budget for the United States government, how small is the amount that goes to Planned Parenthood? Well, it is pretty small, and I think that, but I do think, Leslie, and I don't have the exact number, I apologize, but I can try to pull that out for you. But, you know, I think it's part of a larger issue in terms of where we are as a debate with the country, and it's a really clear example of how presidential politics is influencing what's happening right now in Congress. And clearly Republicans feel that this is a winning issue to rally their base during the Republican primary season. And people like Senator Ted Cruz, as well as Senator Marco Rubio and other, and Senator Rand Paul and other lawmakers who are running for office in Congress, feel like they have the upper hand with this particular debate into funding Planned Parenthood because of those controversial videos that were leaked a couple of weeks ago. Now, so the people have a full understanding. Kevin, is Planned Parenthood the only clinic that does provide the services of abortion less than 3% of what they do? But is Planned Parenthood the only clinic in the United States that receives federal funds? No, it is not. And I think that's a great point. However, again, Leslie, I think, you know, when I interviewed the head of Planned Parenthood a couple of weeks ago, they told me that they were really adamant that they were going to be creating a, uh, they were going to be fighting back against what they feel is a mischaracterization, Leslie, of, uh, of, of, of how Planned Parenthood operates. They say that they're trying to get their story out there. They're trying to note that they provide breast cancer screening. They provide a, a, a host of other health care opportunities beyond abortion. But they really are on defense right now. And I think that when you look at the recent Republican debate, for example, with Carly Fiorina and her comments in particular, that yeah. was one of the big takeaways of the debate. All right, we're going to hold that thought, Kevin. We'll be back to talk more about that, Planned Parenthood, the funding, and a potential government shutdown over it in the game of politics. I'm Leslie Marshall. Back with him. Back with you right after this. We are talking with our guest here on the only true democracy in talk radio, your show, and we're talking about a potential government shutdown, and it's all over Planned Parenthood. Uh, Kevin Cirilli is a finance reporter for The Hill. He's author of its financial services newsletter, Overnight Money, and great to have him back on the show. Kevin, thanks for holding a welcome back. Um, Now, we were talking before the break that Planned Parenthood is not the only federally funded clinic uh, that has abortion services, correct? But you would think it is if you watch the debate uh, by the Republicans and if you read a lot of news, especially about another potential government shutdown. You know, I think it's, a, yeah, I think, the, again, the larger takeaway here is that the presidential politics influencing the budget battle that we're seeing on Capitol Hill and having a direct influence on the policy discussions that lawmakers are having as they 
to uh, grapple with this budget process and, and whether or not to shut down the government. The big question for Republicans is, as they as they move forward here is whether or not it's worth making this issue something of a political hot potato, if you will, if it really would rally their base enough. Is there enough benefit in that in presidential politics versus weighing how moderate independent voters in states like Pennsylvania, Virginia, Colorado, Ohio, Florida, you know, how are they going to view this? Because if you think back to the 2013 partial government shutdown, a lot of people blamed Senator Ted Cruz and Republicans for for that government shutdown. Is that really the message Republicans want to send heading into uh, an election year? And it's a good question to ask, Kevin. I agree with you. I think it's political suicide, and here's why. I think people who want to defund Planned Parenthood are going to vote for whoever is the Republican candidate. And, you know, so I think at the end of the day, they're preaching to the choir with this message, one. And two, we have seen in recent years, perhaps the past decade, maybe even more, that although it may be an emotionally charged issue, the issue of abortion or Planned Parenthood and funding, that's not at the top of voters' minds, especially voters that Republicans need. Republicans need more women. Democrats have them. Republicans need... Uh, uh, Republicans uh, need more moderate centrist and independents who poll, whether even if they poll poll pro-life, they do not want Roe v. Wade overturned. They do not want abortion to be criminalized again. Uh, They're comfortable with it. They're comfortable with it being legal. Yeah, you know, I would just kind of kind of, you know, as a reporter, and I think the media has a role in this and that we try to simplify issues in terms of black and white issues and that there's no gray areas and we try to make it this side against the other side. But the reality is, Leslie, and I think you're alluding to this, is that this is a much more nuanced issue now. And I think that as a new generation of voters has emerged uh, in the aftermath of the Roe v. Wade decision, I think that, you know, it's not really a, people have much more they're not complicated positions on this, and Democrats and Republicans, quite frankly, I think make people out to believe. And so I, I think that there is a risk in both sides trying to talk about this in such simple terms, because it really is one of those issues that is much more complex. What's interesting about Carly Fiorina, and I've interviewed her several times, and what, where, where I'm interested to see where she goes from these remarks is that she actually supports over-the-counter birth control, and she believes that uh, women should be able to go into uh, their, their local pharmacy and be able to get uh, birth control medicine and pills. And so that is an issue that I, that I would expect to come up in the next couple of weeks, because while she does have a very, she clearly uh, is is, uh, is is pro-life, uh, and her moment from the previous debate clearly sparked a lot of conversation. It's this more nuanced policy position that she also has that I'm curious to see if she will talk about that as she tries to make her case to the more conservative wing of the Republican Party that she feels she needs in order to sustain her political candidacy. And I think it will backfire. I mean, when you have Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid introducing a bill assuring that 2.7 million federal workers eventually will be paid if the government shuts down, uh, and we're talking about in yeah. less than, in, in, and we're talking about in less than a couple of weeks. Um, well, the, yeah. it, it, the, the the bottom line here is who will be to blame? Republicans are in charge. Republicans are pushing this, and this is clearly not a oh my God, liver. This is not should we invade a sovereign nation? Uh, should we fund 
uh, you know, dropping bombs on a country like Syria. You know, this is a and and I think most Republicans or most people who are pro-choice, of which there are Democrats, excuse me, pro-life, of which there are Democrats, are intelligent enough to know that even if you shut down Planned Parenthood, a you're hurting a lot of women because 97% of the services aren't abortion, and b it doesn't stop abortion. What's interesting is that Senator Kelly Ayotte, who's a Republican from New Hampshire, a very prominent Republican, she's sort of like a kingmaker, if you will, New Hampshire being such a crucial uh, early primary state. She actually sent a letter to Senator Ted Cruz telling him, hey, wait a minute, buddy, back off. She didn't use those exact terms, but that was essentially the message of the letter, urging him not to shut down the government. You've also got to remember that just a couple of weeks ago, some very senior members of the Senate within the Republican Party accused essentially Senator Ted Cruz of using the Senate floor as a campaign stop and, and kind of campaigning and instead of instead of actually legislating. So a lot of pressure on him. I would just I would just again inject this notion of over the counter birth control because Democrats are opposed to that. And I think it presents a unique modern opportunity for Republicans to make a pitch and an appeal to a new wave of uh, Republican voters. And again, of new, I'm sorry, a new generation of, of independent voters. I also think that this is an opportunity for more moderate candidates, such as former Florida Governor Jeff Bush, quite frankly, Leslie, to kind of appear as the adult in the room. He has come out said, hey, I don't want a government shutdown over this. This is stupid. People want the government open. They want it functioning. They want it working. And the message, I mean, we always talk, whenever I come on your show, we always talk about how unpopular Wall Street is. But I mean, look how unpopular Congress is. And so to have a two shutdowns in like the span of two years, I mean, that would just, I think it would just really frustrate uh, the American people in both parties. And I agree, I agree with you, and I think the blame would go to Republicans, which as a Democrat I enjoy watching. But at the same time, <laughs> uh, we, we, you know, the next election is not just a presidential election. There are seats in both the Senate and the House up for grabs. There are people that will retire, like uh, uh, Senator Barbara Boxer, and, uh, you know, will, will not, you know, be back. You know, just giving her as one example, because she's one of my senators in my state here of California. Uh, but if you have a second government shutdown within two years— um, not only can that hurt people, uh, you know, politically and change the dynamic of House, the House and the Senate, which, again, as a Democrat, I would like, but it could jar the economy and temporarily put people out of work when the economy is number one on every voter's agenda and hip parade as a voter. And I, yeah, and, and again, and I think, again, I think I, I want to, this is such a sensitive topic, and I, and I always, it's always frustrating as a reporter to have to talk about such sensitive topics and sound bites because, uh, you almost feel like you're cheapening the debate and you're not uh, doing it in a way and serving the debate justice. But, I, I, but to the point of your notion of the economy, I was absolutely stunned. And this really isn't a critique necessarily on the candidates on the stage during the debate. I was stunned that they were not asked about Federal Reserve Chairwoman Janet Yellen uh, the night before she was set to make the biggest announcement on interest rates since the economic collapse, but they weren't even asked about that. I mean, we're at a time when you have China really doing God knows what with their economy. You've got Greece threatening to take down the European economy, and you've got Americans here who still have not felt the effects of what is being called an economic recovery, if that really is what it is. And so I think that any time Democrats or Republicans pivot to these issues, you know, it's frustrating for the rest of us who are really trying to just figure out where the heck these guys and gals stand on economic issues. And I think that the media and the candidates as a whole, you know, really can do a much better job instead of just playing to this, like, social media, YouTube, you know, specially crafted moments uh, that, that we kind of 
come to see that this cycle represents. Uh, I wanted to, you know, uh, so that people understand. I, I mean, to me, this is purely politics. And if you're doing this for purely political gain and there's any risk of a backfire, whether it's a blame in, in the polls, uh, whether it could er, end up hurting one candidate, what it, whether it could end up costing a loss of seats in the House or the Senate, it's not worth the risk. So why do you think the Republicans are beating this? I, I mean, they can look at the polls. The polls have shown over and over that even though um, a slight majority of Americans will define themselves as pro-life, they do not want Roe v. Wade overturned. They do not want the criminalization of abortion. And I think most people are intelligent. You know, I constantly say to people, you know, I'm pro-choice, and I will fight with people sometimes that are pro-life, not, not over the issue of abortion. But over the issue of what happens even if you overturn Roe v. Wade, it doesn't stop abortion. The only thing that will stop abortion is prevent the pregnancy. If somebody's not pregnant, they have no reason to go seek an abortion. So to me, it's sort of like they're at the wrong end of the cart and the horse here. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, this does not overturn Roe v. Wade. This does not prevent uh, abortion. If anything, it just sends people to, to, to other clinics. And, you know, I, I, again, to, to me, it's just simple. It's not... It doesn't prevent abortion, and I do think some people are ignorant to that fact, the way the Republicans harp on this and present this. Well, you know, as a reporter, in my, in my role as a reporter, it is not important whether or not I'm pro-life or pro-choice. Um, but I would, I, I, just to provide context, I think that, you know, yes, there are a lot of politics happening right now on both sides, and I think Democrats are also politicking on this issue just as much as Republicans are. That being said, I think that, you know, there's no question that the people on the Republican side who, who are calling to defund Planned Parenthood, I do think that they actually believe that. I don't, I don't think that, like, I mean, there's no, whether or not you agree with someone like Mike Huckabee Leslie, there's no question that he actually believes what he's saying. But, you know, what I just keep waiting for, and again, the moment on the stage, again, we always talk about, the, especially in terms of the debate, is who's going to appear as the adult on the stage with, you know, Donald Trump or whatever. You know, I kept waiting for a moment for, you know, someone to have uh, an opportunity, if you will, to talk about perhaps how disparaging those videos are of Planned Parenthood, but to also talk about how there is actually a lot of common ground between Democrats and Republicans on the issue of, you know, creating a culture where a young woman doesn't have to feel, um, you know, uh, disrespected or things that, you know, we as a culture that we all agree on to create, to, to lower teenage pregnancy uh, and, and things of that nature. And I keep waiting for a smart conversation to emerge on both sides. But, you know, I guess I'm just naive and a little bit too young because I, I doubt that we're going to get it this election cycle. Um, I thank you for being with us. I'd ask you another question, but we'd run out of time. You know I love you and love having you on, and you'll be on again. Thank you very thank much. Thank you, Leslie. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate your time, my friend. Have a good one. Okay, you too, buddy. Kevin Cirilli, finance reporter for The Hill, author of its financial services newsletter, Overn Overnight Money. On Twitter, follow him there, at Kev Cirilli. The website for The Hill is thehill.com. Kev is K-E-V, Cirilli, C-I-R-I-L-L-I. Follow him at Kev Cirilli. I'm Leslie Marshall. Coming up, Victoria Jones live with our nation's capital, from our nation's capital with Talk Radio News Service. Don't go away. Back after this. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE.
This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. We've got all the news right here. I'm going to stop you right there. I see you about to settle on a day-old donut for breakfast. Well, this is a chicken intervention. Because McChicken Biscuits and Chicken McGriddles are now at McDonald's. So just hit that drive through and change your life. For breakfast, you got this. Wake up breakfast. Say good morning to McChicken for breakfast. Right now at your local McDonald's, you can mix and match two Chicken McGriddles or McChicken Biscuits for just $3. Price and participation may vary at participating McDonald's for a limited time.